0: I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. It's the one time of year when everyone lives the way I live all year round. It's the only time I buy decorations for my home, and those decorations are not seasonal, as far as I'm concerned. I even love those Halloween pop up stores that are usually in an old circuit city. In haunted houses, teenagers jump out at you, and it's fun to see a petite girl in a bloody wedding dress freak out a grown ass man. But the one thing about Halloween that doesn't excite me is the Halloween party. I always accept an invitation because I usually like the people who pour their time into the party. However, I'm not one to seek out the experience. It's probably because I'm not a big fan of large gatherings, especially right now, as I write this in early July, uh, in 2020, I believe. I also don't dress up, but that's a topic for another time. A group of teenagers is going to a Halloween party in the newest entry into my series, Fear Street, Too Many Pranks. This is rereading my childhood. Fear Street Halloween Party. Terry and Nikki are staring at tombstones. Nikki is partially deaf. There is a figure that moves toward them, and it turns out to be some guy named Murphy. End of the first chapter. Then we go back two weeks, because that was such a great opening, and we're introduced to Terry and Nikki's friend Trisha, who, quote, has a weight problem. Terry also mentions that his girlfriend Nikki, quote, wasn't the prettiest girl at shady Side or the smartest, but she was definitely the most special. Slam on Nikki! Got her. This start is great. The three get invitations to a Halloween party featuring special surprises, courtesy of the most popular new girl in school, Justine. Terry says that Justine is stacked. This dude is a big charmer. We meet Lisa, the school gossip and editor of the newspaper, as if it isn't just four kids copying articles from a service that supplies articles to school newspapers. I'm kidding. That's not true. I was on the school newspaper. There were just three of us, and I actually wrote the horoscopes. There's also Ricky, the obnoxious practical joker, the aforementioned Murphy, the school quarterback Alex, Terry's rival, and Nikki's ex, and some other names like Angela or something. There are a total of nine invitees to this party, which Justine says will feature a rad sound system and excellent dance CDs. And the party is very exclusive. Even the boyfriends of names can't attend. Not even the school's anachronistic greasers can attend. I can hardly wait. Before the party, the invitees split into two groups and started pranking more. Nikki refuses to be on either side. One of the pranks includes the jocks dissing Ricky Shore with a huge plastic snake that jumped out of his locker. I don't think that is what dissing is, but maybe things were different in the early 90s parlance. Stein used a slang term he heard in a rap song once and gleaned the meaning. Either way, pranking wars. This party is heating up. The big day is finally here and the party is looking off the chain. There are decorations like fake cobwebs and cutouts of witches, a kettle, a fireplace, an old man, and ten teenagers. The old man is Justine's Uncle Philip. The party also features pizza and exotic food from Greece, Japan, France, and Mexico. It's not like you can just go to a store and get this stuff. You have to go to the taco stand, two blocks away. Meanwhile, Terry makes some gross observations about the girls at the party, calling Justine's costume ghoulish and Angela a tramp. You are a real winner here, Terry. He does this so he can call Nikki the best girl there. And that's what girls like, being compared to other girls and calling them names. Women and other women should be adversaries. Otherwise, we might finally figure out that we don't need annoying men anymore. Justine stops the music to make an announcement as if there are more than 10 people at this party. She promises surprises, and by God, she's going to surprise everyone. But first, I have to tell you a true story. Throughout history, people loved to dance. But in the Middle Ages, dancing was sometimes much more than just fun. In fact, some people were said to be taken by evil spirits when they danced. They would dance faster and faster, faster and faster, till they literally danced themselves to death. I don't know if we have evil spirits here tonight, but anything can happen on Halloween. Is anyone brave enough to try some really fast music? This excites her nine guests. She plays a song that repeats the words, Pump up the jam. Which, if it's the late 80s song that does exactly that, it is not a fast song. Maybe it is for a bunch of upper middle class white kids, but it's no sandstorm. Suddenly, the lights go out, and there's a body. Alex bends down to see who it is. The body is less. He jumps up. It's a prank. Oh man, ten white kids, an old man cutouts, and a dead body prank? I love this party! The party gets even better when those aforementioned greasers ride their motorcycles through the window. They wreck up the decorations, complain about the interesting food, and ask for wine coolers. Two of the party goers get on the bikes and ride them out while Alex and Terry force the greasers out. Justine refuses to call the cops because she doesn't take their threats seriously. And besides, she has more surprises for everyone. She began passing out a photocopied list. This is a list of the items Uncle Philip and I have hidden around the mansion, she went on. There are treasures in every room, on both floors and in the attic and basement. Whichever team finds the most treasures by midnight will win a special prize. The teenagers split up and Nikki goes exploring in Justine's bedroom. She finds a fake panel in the back of her closet that opens to reveal a secret room. It's filled with pictures of Justine with an old man, racks of expensive clothes, and prescriptions for an Enid Cameron. Meanwhile, Terry finds Alex hanging, dripping with blood. Terry gets help from David, but the body disappears. They find Trisha and Nikki and Justine to tell them what happened, but no one believes them. However, they find a body in Justine's bed. It's another prank. I love death-based pranks. It's so funny. Alex says that while they were out trying to find help, the jock team went through the house and collected a bunch of treasures, therefore winning the game. What is the prize? Chocolates from Paris. Yay. Yay it's now movie time what is the perfect movie for a spooky halloween party in 1990 why the bride of frankenstein of course there's a thunderclap and the entire house goes dark justine suggests they play their next game if they're brave enough They have to tell everyone the worst thing they've done, and the group votes on whether they're telling the truth or not. If they lie, they are penalized. Wow, ten kids, an old man, cutouts, greasers, chocolates from Paris, and house rules, truth or dare? I love this party! Nikki disappears, so Terry looks for his girlfriend instead of playing Justine's game. In lieu of a lost girlfriend, he finds Les, and a knife sticking out of Les's chest. David shows up, and the two of them cover the body. They think this is still some kind of trick from the jock team. They discover that the phone line has been cut. David leaves to find aid. David notices that every car's tires have been slashed. He also gets attacked by the greasers, but they run off while a faceless shape hits him over the head and drags his body away. Meanwhile, Terry finds Nikki in the basement. Nikki fell in a trapdoor that sent her tumbling into the basement. While looking for an escape, she finds an old newspaper article particularly illuminating edward d cameron 26 and his wife sissy 20 were killed late last night when their car was hit head-on by a car driven by james b whittle 16 the cameron's car a late model ford was headed south on old mill road when it was hit by whittle's car a chevrolet station wagon according to witnesses on the scene whittle had been drag racing with another car a corvette driven by john mccormick 16. The Cameron car spun out of control and into a ditch, where it burst into flames. I didn't see anything till it was too late, Whittle said. They just showed up in the fog. I feel terrible about it. Whittle's car sustained major damage, while the Corvette was untouched. Neither Whittle nor McCormick nor any of their passengers was seriously injured. Those riding with Whittle included Evelyn Sales, 15, Joanne Trumbull, 15, Arlene Corn, 16, and Robert Carter, 14. The passengers in the Corvette were Jim Ryan, 18, Nancy Arlen, 16, and Ed Marner, 15 all of Shadyside. The Cameron couple are survived by a daughter, Enid, age one. No charges were filed pending police investigation. Nikki and Terry go to confront Justine. Somehow, Justine convinces everyone is part of the night's surprises, and the last one is with Les in the dining room. Everyone piles in there like idiots, and Justine locks the door behind them. Les is in there alright, but Les is slightly less alive than before. I'm surprised Dine didn't use that one. Justine reveals herself as Enid Cameron, and the parents of each of the party guests were involved in a car crash that killed Justine slash Enid's parents. So, for revenge, Justine is going to lock them in a room and burn them alive while they listen to car accident sounds. Everyone panics and screams, but, if you remember, Nikki is partially deaf, so she isn't overwhelmed by the soundtrack. She gets Terry to help her open the dumbwaiter, and she climbs in and falls out again in the basement. Philip grabs her ankle, but it's to ask for help. He gets a crowbar and they pry off the boards on a window to the dining room. All the kids, less less of course, are saved and Philip drops some denouement knowledge. Philip is Justine slash Enid's father's brother. She spent all these years planning her revenge. Finally, at the age of 30, yes, Justine slash Enid is 30 years old, Justine slash Enid enrolled in the school they all attend and invited them to a party to enact her revenge. Philip thought it was going to be little pranks and stuff, but since he's in a Fear Street novel, the revenge turned deadly. When he learned what was happening, Justine slash attacked him and left him in the basement. So Justine slash is arrested and the rest of the party goers live happily ever after. Oh yeah, and David stumbles out of the woods. If there wasn't this ridiculous prank war and this attempt at describing music, trends, and slang, I think I would have enjoyed this more. The revenge angle is a popular and solid setup for a horror movie. I even like the she's 30 angle, even though, I'm sorry, but no 30-year-old would pass for a 16-year-old. But I'm willing to suspend some disbelief. The pranking angle is the problem. It served as a way to pad out the novel. If the kids had used pranking to get themselves out of the situation, then the pranking angle would be well utilized. Nikki's deafness saved the kids, so the book should have focused more on her. She is sidelined as Terry's girlfriend. He doesn't think much of her and almost cheats on her with Justine slash Enid. Frankly, Nikki's a more interesting character than anyone else, and that includes the 30-year-old taking Jim and hitting on underage kids. Also, Terry is a Terry Bull character. And that's been my time. Tip your waitress and have a happy Halloween, whatever that may look like this year, and also during the second week of September when this is coming out. (laughs) So, stay safe.